Alrighty, cool deal. Um, well, good morning, everyone. My name is Zach. Um, that weekend to remember is really cool. My wife and I have actually both been to that. Um, but if you're just joining us this morning, my name is Zach. I am the youth pastor here. Um, I really enjoy hanging out with teenagers. It's a lot of fun. Um, let me go ahead and just say this up front um, to kind of get this out of the way. If you have been following my wife and I's pregnancy journey, um, uh, just to kind of recap you guys, at 22 weeks, my wife and I found out we were at a high risk of early delivery with our twin babies, um, Levi, our boy, and Aaliyah, our girl. Um, we are now approaching 34 weeks, hitting Thursday. Um, and so, I mean, she's been in the hospital for, for seven weeks now, so we're hoping at 34 weeks they'll send her home. But I just want to say a huge thank you to all of you guys who um, have been encouraging us, who have been bringing us stuff, who has been getting us meals, and most of all, um, just really to everyone who's been praying for us. Because we honestly believe that's where, yeah, you can clap for that. That's where we believe, that's why we believe we're here at 34 weeks almost. So super, super excited. Um, let's hope. Um, the babies don't come before we finish our talk this morning because I am really excited what we're talking about this morning, but it's very likely. Um, so my phone is on, you know, Pascal will run up here and just read whatever I say maybe, or we'll just worship more. It'll still be awesome. Um, but I am excited for what we're jumping into this morning because uh, we're going to be jumping into some interesting, some tough, some controversial um, passages today, and it's going to be really exciting. I'm glad I get the opportunity to um, grow through this with you guys. Um, Because here's what we're going to be addressing today, and here's what we're going to be talking about today, is we're going to be learning how a redeemed people can live in an unredeemed world. Right, that word redeemed, it's actually like a financial term, right? What do you, when, you have a, when you have a gift card and it's out of money and it becomes worthless, you redeem it by putting value and money back on it. Um, we as Christians are redeemed or purchased by Jesus. So in other words, how, how, how can we as Christians live in a, in a fallen, dark world? Um, just by raising hands, let me ask you guys. Uh, my hand's going to be raised on this first one. Uh, how many of us have ever felt the challenge of living with stress and maybe anxiety? We're going to talk about that today. Um, how many of you guys have ever felt the challenge of, by raising a hand, of trying to keep a healthy marriage? If you're married, if you've ever been married, all of our hands should be up, right? We're going to talk about that today. Um, how many of you guys, again, by raising hands, have ever felt the challenge of raising kids? Again, if you have kids, raise your hand. How about this? How many of you guys have ever felt the challenge of having parents? Huh? Any kids in here? Maybe, yeah. We're going to talk about that today. How many of us have ever maybe felt the challenge of just living in this fallen world where it seems like racial tensions are growing, where it seems like the discrimination of the marginalized is still prevalent? Because we're going to be talking about that today as well. We're going to be aiming to try and learn what is Paul telling us here in Colossians, how he redeemed people can live in an unredeemed world. Um, And so here's kind of the big idea. Here's kind of what our whole um, talk this morning is going to come from. This is basically our our message in a sentence, and it comes from Paul um, just a few verses earlier in the passage we're going to read today out of Colossians. Uh, If you guys can see those words in red with me, just say it out loud when I get there. Because here's what our our whole talk this morning comes down to. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Um, so I'm going to pray real quick, and then we're, we're going to jump into this. And we've got some awesome, awesome stuff we're going to talk about. So if you allow me, let me pray. Um, Father, God, I just ask right now that uh, you allow me to be free to allow your voice to speak on whatever you want to speak to us this morning. 
God, I ask for all of us in here, God, whatever, whatever strongholds, whatever walls, whatever distractions may be hindering us from just from hearing your voice right now, God, I ask that you remove all of that. God, I ask that your spirit be filling this room right now to empower us, to encourage us, to speak to us, and to maybe break our heart, maybe break us, God. Whatever it is that we need to hear from you, God, I ask that your spirit is here and that you speak. We say this in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right, so we're going to jump in. We're going to look at these first few verses because I kind of think this first passage, what we're going to be looking at, Paul very strategically uh, sets it up this way because this is going to be setting the foundation for how we're going to be understanding the rest of the passage today. Um, So let's jump into this first one, right? The challenge of living with anxiety and stress. So the lesson here is going to be uh, to be ruled by peace. If you guys have your note sheets, if you grab those in when you come in, if you want to go ahead and follow along and fill that in, um, you can write that word in peace, to be ruled by peace. And uh, honestly, this is going to be essentially just recapping. If you were here last week, this is going to be a huge just kind of recap of what we talked about last week. So let's go ahead and look at these verses. So here's what Paul says. He says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and, song, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with a gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So Paul, I mean, he wants to make it very, very, very clear for us right up front, right? That when you follow Jesus, Jesus is about our soul transformation before our behavior modification, right? Jesus is about soul transformation, not behavior modification. This awesome guy, J.D. Greer, says that quote, and I think it's so powerful. We're going to come back to this idea Um, this morning. But we have to start with understanding this because this is the foundation of of understanding all of this, that when we give Jesus everything, right, loving God with all of our mind, with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength, it's only then can Jesus begin to transform us from the inside out. And it's not until we can begin to have that transformation from the inside out can we begin to start to see this vision Paul is going to be giving to us right now about how we redeemed people can live in an unredeemed world. So for the rest of the passage we're going to look at today, if you could allow me just to read it, then together we're going to try to explain it, and then together we're going to learn from it. So are you guys ready for this? All right, let's jump into this. All right, here's, here's where Paul starts. He says, Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands, as is fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their eye is on you, and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. 
It is the Lord Christ who is serving, and anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. <clears throat> so so here, here's kind of the first thing we have to understand uh, when going through these passages. It's something called a household code. Okay, and essentially what this is, is going back as far as the 4th century BC, um, Aristotle kind of talked about this social responsibility um, between uh, masters and slaves, between husbands and wives, between fathers and children, and kind of this conduct of the family structure was now still held in place by the Roman law. So Paul, in writing this letter, he was not at liberty to change any laws. So what he is doing is he was demonstrating to them, to these believers at Colossae, and now to us who is reading that, that even though they're living in this earthly society, even though they're living in this household code structure in place by Roman law and how society works, even in that, they can love each other with this mutual reciprocal love that is giving them a vision for what our eternal relationships will be like. Where Paul says elsewhere, he says, There's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So we're going to learn that Paul is going to be saying, hey, the correlation, you guys, between masters and slaves, between husbands and wives, it's about mutuality. Right? It's about this reciprocal love. And Paul is saying you can live inside these social roles, yet still love each other equally. So let's go ahead and walk through these, and you're kind of, well, can I get a better idea of, of what this all means? So here's the first one. Here's the second one, actually. So the challenge of staying married. Okay, the lesson here is uh, to release power. Again, it says, wives, submit to your husbands, as is fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, and do not be harsh with them. This is typically the passage where um, most women hate, and most men want to take advantage of. Um, you know, my, my wife, Angelina, uh, you know, she, she, she doesn't, you know, she doesn't like to be in the spotlight up front of people, but she's a strong woman, right? And, uh, she told me when she was 14, um, she was at a, at a mission trip. Um, why they were talking about this passage on a mission trip, not really sure, but they were kind of going over this passage. And at 14, she remembered hearing it and she remembered having a hard time with it, like most women do, especially like a lot of young girls do. And she remember asking like, so you're telling me a wife just supposed to submit to her husband, the husband just gets to dominate all over her? And she's like, I don't want to, that doesn't sound like the kind of marriage I want to be in. And I remember that she said her uh, youth leaders were just like, well, you know, that's, that's what scripture says. And that's true. But there's a big but there. That's true, but, um, you know, this is not about one side having power over the other side. In fact, it's the complete opposite of that. Uh, you know, marriage shouldn't be a fight for power. It's, it's Paul who even says elsewhere, he says in Ephesians, the same time he was writing this letter in Colossians, he says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. How did Christ give himself up for the church? Well, I think you guys know the story, right? He actually died, right? He sacrificed himself for her. You know, this is why Angelina and I tell our students um, all the time, I think this is true for, for anyone who's single, and Angelina is always, she's really like, uh, it's really on her heart to talk to our young girls about this idea of why it's so, so, so important that if you have put your faith in Jesus, when you're out in this dating world that's out there, to really have a heart to look for someone else who is also following Jesus. 
So it's going to make it so, so, so much easier when you're doing your role of what your role you've been placed into to do what God has called you to do, whether your wife submitting to your husband or whether your husband just sacrificially loving your wife. It's so much easier when you're both following Jesus because you can both, even though you're not perfect, both at least be striving for this kind of reciprocal love, this mutual love between each other. And even if you are married, First Peter, I mean, he's, taught, he's addressing the same household code, saying the same thing. And he uses this actually as a means to say, hey, look, if you're a wife, you're to submit to your husband. And if you're a, if you're a husband, you're, you're to sacrificially love your wife. And if they are not following Jesus, yes, it's going to be a lot harder to sacrificially love your wife if they aren't submitting back to you. It's going to be really hard to submit to your husband if they aren't putting you first. But in loving them this way, you can hopefully win them to Jesus. So maybe here, here's the question maybe uh, you need to answer this morning for yourself. How can I continually cultivate admiration for my spouse? Or maybe you just need to simply ask yourself the question, how can I love them deeper? So here is, here's the third point. The challenge of raising kids. So the lesson here is to remember your priority. So I'm gonna talk, I've kind of been talking for a little bit. Um, let's just uh, switch things up and uh, watch this video. Wake up, wake up, wake, wake up. up, baby. You wake up. Call him, baby. He's, he's, a, he's a teenager. He's always, you'll always be mommy's baby. You won't. You won't. Listen, here. Uh, you've been on the couch. You've been playing your PX7 and your Nintendonk or whatever it is, all right? Uh, but we need to have a little talk, all Just right? Just a little talk. A little Just family talk. Want to nip some things in the bud before that. Don't you roll your eyes at me, young man. How many times have I told you not to do that? We can make this easier. We can uh, make it hard. It's your uh, choice. Look, all right, there's some things we need to go over because it's basically essentially like this. Don't do as we do. Do as we're about to say. Yes, right? yes. Do as we say, not as we do. I typed up some uh, family values for you that you need to have before you head out the door, which I hope, think the Lord is going to be sooner than later. He doesn't mean that. I don't mean that. No. I said it. I you mean stay that. stay as long I mean as that. you need to. The first thing to help you in life is uh, the company that you keep. You need good friends with good moral character. Your father is right. We are kind of concerned about some of your friends. Yeah. Yeah. They they yeah. don't have the best character. I think you might want to just check those things out. Well, what, were you, what? what did you just say to us? What about our friends? All right, they're trashy. Yeah, they're trashy. They are. Yeah. Our friends are trash. Yeah, but we've known them since college. You just don't throw you can't throw them away like that. You can't throw them away. We want to try to fix them. We're too. trying to help you do as we say. Not as we do. <sighs> the next thing is money, all right? You need to watch your money. You are spinning it like it's growing on trees, he and has, it's not. He has no money. He we, has, he has no what money. we give him. That, that's got to stop at some point. You need to be more responsible with your money, young man. You, you need to get off that couch and go get a job. But hear me on this. Money is the root of all evil, and that's why we have none. We have credit up to our eyeballs, but we have no okay. money. Mitchie, hurry it up. I want to go to the casino. All right, all right, all right. The last thing is, uh, well, there's a whole list of things, but I could go to well, smoking. Go ahead. Tell me about smoking. Do not smoke. It will... I know, I know I smoke, but I, I didn't... I. If I could go back and never start, I wouldn't. I'm trying to stop. I've got five patches on right now. It's like kissing an ashtray. Listen to me. Stop the smoking, all right? It'll just ruin everything, okay? If I could have my aunt come back from the dead, she would tell you, stop smoking. Kissing an ashtray? You'll want to talk. Why don't you brush occasionally? <sighs> all right. Son, if we could sum it all up for you in a nice little nutshell, it's just this. Do as we say, 
Not as we do. All right, I'm gonna go get a cold one. Get me one. And you know what? Let's just go to the casino. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, obviously not the best parenting, right? Um, and you know, since I'm about to be a dad, I'm basically an expert on parenting right now. So let me just tell you everything I know. Um, just kidding. I think I've read like one parenting book, so I don't know if that's uh, that gives me any credit. But um, I want to I want to just say two quick things um, to to some of you guys in this room. I want to just say something just really quick to anyone in here who's a parent, um, and then I want to take a second just to speak to anyone in here um, who's a kid living with their parent. And even if you're like, I'm 18, I'm not a kid anymore. If you're still living under your parents' rule, um, I want to talk to you uh, this morning as well. Um, so first, um, to the parents, um, I want to just say this to you guys from the perspective of a kid um, who was raised with two Christian parents, one of them being a pastor. I want to say this to you from the perspective of a kid who um, was raised wondering why his parents aren't allowing him to do certain things that other kids' parents are allowing them to do. From the perspective of a kid who wanted to know why um, their family was in church every week when other kids' parents didn't care if they were in church every week. And I can tell you just the one simple word that myself and Angelina are going to be making our top priority raising little Levi and Aaliyah is just the one simple word, communication. You know, for example, when uh, you know, you're, maybe your kid's getting mad at you because you're not, you're not letting them see that rated R movie that all their friends are able to see, um, to use every opportunity like that as a teaching moment, to use an opportunity to communicate, you know, whatever, you know, like, hey, you know, we don't watch those things because what we put into our mind trickles that into our heart. And we're supposed to love God with all of our heart is watching that really loving God with all of our heart. You know, whatever it is. And I'm sure, as you already know, you probably have done this in some form or another, and they're going to roll their eyes at you. They're going to act like they're not listening. They're probably going to still tell you they hate you. Um, But I want to just encourage you with this. Um, You know, my dad tried to have a lot of those teaching moments with me growing up. And, uh, you know, as a teenager, I would roll my eyes and act like I didn't care and, you know, still get angry. But to be honest, even when he was talking, if I wanted to play it too cool and act like I wasn't listening, the truth was I really actually was listening still. And even, you know, if I didn't even, honestly, I didn't even realize it at the time. Um, it, was, it was affecting me and influencing me, me probably more than I even realized. So just, my point is just in, in every opportunity you can, just strive for communication as much as you can. And just use it as an example to think about your own relationship with God, who is our heavenly father. Every quote-unquote rule or guideline he tells us to do in this life, we know is not just for no reason because he's trying to make our life harder. We know everything God tells us to do, every direction God's guiding us for, we know is for our good. And he's explained it to us. And he allows us to know, hey, this is because I love you. This is because I'm trying to give you and protect you and give you the greatest life possible. As parents, we should strive for that as much as we can as well. So communication, it just, it just, maybe you just need that reminder. I'm sure you know it, but just a reminder and a refocus. And kids, if you're living with your parents, let me just say this. It's as simple as this. Whether it's your parents, whoever you're, whoever's your, your guardian, your aunt, your uncle, whoever's raising you, just listen to them. It's simple as that. You know, obey them and trust them because here's what we say to our students. I've said this before. If you may have, if you're one of our students here, you may have, may or not have heard me say this already, but it's, it's so, so important. I truly believe if you have a hard time trusting and listening and obeying to your parents now, 
When you get older and, you, and you're following your heavenly father for the rest of your life, if you can't learn to trust and obey your parents now, you're going to have a really, really hard time trusting and obeying your heavenly father when you don't always know exactly what he's doing in your life. This is why God says, man, I put these parents to, to raise you so you can actually learn how to obey them so when you continue your life, you can learn how to obey me. This is why God says it pleases the Lord. So maybe here's the question you need to answer for yourself this morning. How can I empathize more with my parents? Or how can I empathize more with my children? So here um, is the last point. Um, The final point. The challenge of living in a fallen culture where it seems like racial tensions are still here and it it seems like it's even growing and it seems like the discrimination of the marginalized is still prevalent in our culture. The lesson here we're going to talk about right now is to be reconciled by love. If you want to write that, to be reconciled by love. Again, here's what Paul says. He says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for the wrongs, and there is no favoritism. So, first of all, I understand that, that that word slave is a really loaded word for us here in America just because of our ugly history. And so I want to just explain two things really quick. The first thing is that to, to just make it really clear that the Bible does not condone slavery of any kind. And the second thing is um, to understand that slavery in the ancient Roman times was, com- not, was, was, was different, maybe not completely different, but it was different than the kind of racial slavery we are aware of um, here in America. So here, here's, here's uh, the first thing. If you want to take these notes down, if you want to take a picture, if you want to just listen, um, here, here's the first thing we have to understand when it comes to the kind of slaves that Paul was speaking to. Um, the first could be considered um, bond servants, meaning these were uh, people who maybe willingly sold themselves to be a slave of a Roman citizen to work um, paying off a debt. Maybe once that debt was paid off, they were a bond servant. They continued just to serve this person as a servant. The second kind can be considered um, a servant who was actually working to earn money. Um, but in, in doing so and becoming a slave, they did have repressed rights, but um, they, some of them chose to be there. Um, and then, you know, lastly, there was what we kind of know as a slave, which might be the closely um, relatable one that we know of. I read this oftentimes came from um, like foreign military conquest and they, they kind of took them in as slaves. And I read sometimes they were treated pretty harshly. Um, but just to kind of recap this, because this, this scholar named Eugene Boring, uh, Eugene Boring speaks a lot more eloquent, eloquently than me. And uh, he, he helps us explain it. And this is actually a book from my college. Um, it's really funny. Um, so he's a scholar, his name's Eugene Boring, and I remember me and my classmates would always kind of laugh, like, we got to read Boring's, you know, work again. Um, and it's just, here's another point, you know, if you ever have books or learning stuff in school and you're ever wondering, hey, am I ever going to need this one day? Case in point, you never know. You might actually use what you read in school. Um, so let me go ahead and read this to us. That's going to kind of hopefully give us a little more clarity on this. So he says this, 
He says, slavery in the Hellenistic world must not be thought of in terms of the deplorable circumstances represented by slavery in the southern United States in the pre-Civil War period. People became slaves by being born to a slave woman, by selling themselves, or being sold into slavery to satisfy a debt, or by military conquest. Racism was not a factor. Many slaves had managerial positions and were better educated than their masters. One could not necessarily distinguish slaves and free in a crowd in the marketplace. It is not the case that there was always a wide gap between the status of the slave and of the free person, nor that slaves were always badly treated, nor that all slaves even wanted to be free. But neither should the picture be romanticized. Slaves were without most rights from the legal point of view were considered property rather than persons and were sometimes abused. So maybe you're wondering, you're like, okay, so, um, so what, what exactly are you saying? Which one does the Bible actually condone? The answer is very clearly, none. You know, the Bible has been often criticized of being pro-slavery, and that just simply just isn't true at all. Because remember, Paul is writing this personal letter to believers on how to live and how to love those around him. And Paul is saying, hey, while we're still living in this earthly society, here is a vision for what our eternal relationships will be like in heaven one day. When he says there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And this is even further demonstrated when, when Paul gets to personally um, talk to a slave owner named Philemon, where he writes it at the same time he's writing these other letters. And he writes to Philemon, who was a Christian and a slave owner, and he meets one of his slaves named Onesimus, who ran away from Philemon because he stole from him, bumped into Paul, became a believer. Everyone who talked to Paul just became a Christian. He was pretty awesome like that. And he says, hey, I'm going to write this letter to Philemon. And I want to, and what he says in the letter, he says, hey, I'm sending Onesimus back to you. But when I send him back to you, I don't want you to receive him any longer as your slave. I want you to receive him as your brother. See, this whole passage, this whole passage of what we're reading today really just comes down to recognizing, hey, what is the role? What is, what is the place I am at in life? And how can I learn to fully love those around me? See, this whole thing is about being reconciled by love. And um, just, just to end this morning, uh, I want to kind of leave us, leave us with this and kind of leave us with this challenge and to leave us with this thought. Um, you know, in my life, I can't say that I've had a whole lot of like supernatural experiences with God, but I definitely have had some. And a lot of you guys know my story. You know, I made a lot of bad choices and, you know, it was just, my whole life was just drowning in, in drug use until I finally came to place to recommit my life to Jesus and he totally changed me. And it was since then that I would ha- I have, I've had a handful of what I would consider these supernatural experiences with God where, where the presence of God has met me right where I am and it's some of the most overwhelming thing I've ever experienced in my life. And when that's happened to me, you know, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't when I was feeling most holy. It wasn't on a day where I'm like, I didn't sin today, God, I deserve your presence. You know, it, it was actually when I was the most broken. 
It was actually when I was just feeling, just, just feeling at my lowest point in, in, in the most guilt of just feeling like a sinner for the things I had done. It was actually when I felt the most distant from God, when I just had nothing to offer him except just this desperate cry of help, of wondering if he's even there, if he even hears me. It was in that moment, in that desperation that God, this perfect and holy God of the universe, decided to look at me, decided to allow his perfect holy presence to enter into my room or my car wherever I was in that moment and to meet just this broken sinful nobody named Zach and honestly it's because of those moments in my life where I was just met with just this incredible feeling of love. I honestly, I can't put it into words to you, but just to be overwhelmed with this feeling of love. And honestly, um, I never cry. I question my soul sometimes. You can ask Angelina, like, why do I never cry? Is there something wrong with me? Like, I just never do. Like, it, But in these moments, it's just such an overwhelming feeling of love that is something that is just pouring into me that it, it brings me to tears and it's just so, so powerful. And you see, it's because of those moments I've had with God. There, there, is, there is nothing in this earth. There is nothing that can happen to me. There is nothing that can happen to anyone around me that could ever convince me anything else other than the fact that God is good. He's a good God. That he is full of love. That God goes after those who are far from him. That God goes after those who have nothing to give him. He goes after those who are just complete broken sinners. You see, it was when I decided to give God like everything I had. Did he meet me? He started this process, which he's still working in me, definitely. This process of changing me from the inside out. And it's fair to look around at our country right now. And to see that like racial tensions and problems are still here. It's even a very fair question to wonder like, man, why does it seem like over the past 10 years it's actually getting worse? And like I said earlier, man, God, he's in the business of changing things from the inside out. He's about soul transformation, not necessarily behavior modification. And you want to, and you might want to ask, okay, then what's on the inside of society? It's me. It's you. It's us. So maybe you want to know, man, how can God change my marriage? You got to allow him to change your heart and to fill it with love. Morning, man, I I want God to change my family. You got to allow him to start by changing your heart and to fill it with love. Man, you're going, man, I want to see God change the city. I want to see God change our community. I want to see God change our society. It starts with allowing him to change your heart and to fill it with love. Because only when that happens first can you begin to start catching on to this vision that Paul was trying to give us, how we can mutually and, and have this mutual love for each other. This is the very same vision that Martin Luther King Jr. had for this country. That it doesn't matter what sociological class you come from, it doesn't matter what color you are, it doesn't matter what gender you are, that we can all be reconciled by love. That no matter who you lay eyes on, you can mutually love them as an equal. And it all just comes down to starting with you, with us. It starts with how you love your spouse. 
starts with your family. It starts with how you're raising your kids up in love. It starts with how you're loving your boss. Ooh. It starts with how you're loving maybe your employees. The one who takes two-hour lunches when he's only supposed to have to take one. It starts with how you're loving your coworkers, your friends. And it really just comes down to this. Beyond all these things put on, say it, love, which is the perfect bond of unity. If you guys will, uh, pray with me. Father, what I ask right now in this moment, or that you speak to us right now, you speak to us what we need to hear right now, God. You know exactly who every single person is in this room. God, you know exactly what it is that we need to work on in our lives. There might be some of us in here this morning who need to work on loving their spouse. Maybe there's been a fight for control, a fight for power, a fight for who's always right and who's wrong. God, I just ask if there's anyone who's struggling with that, that you soften their hearts just to submit, be the first one to just say, hey, you know what? I'm going to put you first. Lord, I don't know if there's anyone in here right now, but I want to pray for maybe any parents who maybe, God, you, you convict our hearts, or maybe feel a little conviction that they're, they're, they've been living their life more like do as we say, not as we do. God, give them the patience and the strength to be the examples, to strive for communication, Lord, and give them the words from your spirit. I don't know if maybe there's any kids in here, God, or maybe feel a little convicted like, yeah, I've been a real brat to my parents. God, I pray for them right now that you um, soften their hearts to realize, man, their parents, their, whoever's raising they do love them and they're doing their best to give them the best life. God, for all of us in here right now, I don't, I don't know if maybe there's some of us in here t- this morning, God, who, who feel personally um, the personal struggle of, of this racism and this discrimination and, and, and just these problems that are in our country, God. I pray together we as a church can acknowledge the fact that, hey, if there's a struggle happening between my brother and my sister, it's a struggle for me. If they believe something is being difficult happening to them, then it is happening to me. If someone, if our brother or sister is hurting God, then we can take the burden that we're hurting as well. Lord, unite us as one body, as one family. And if there's anyone in here this morning who maybe for the very first time needs to make that decision to go, you know what, I want to place my faith in Jesus for the very first time. I'm ready for him to start transforming my soul and I may be broken, I may have nothing to offer him, but I'm ready to accept him into my life right now. I want you just to raise your hand as a way to say, Jesus, I want to accept you into my heart. So if there's anyone in here, awesome, I see your hand. 
Father. God, I ask that right now you just inspire us, you encourage us, you give us the patience, you give us the wisdom how to go out from this building back into maybe our messy, maybe the chaotic life that's waiting for us. And God, right now you fill us with your love. This is a supernatural love that you put into our hearts that allows us to do things that this world does not know. God, I thank you so much, Lord, that you meet us, these broken sinners, God, and you cover us and you redeem us and you purchase us and you send us back out into this broken world full of love. God, we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.